Alexa, play the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast. Playing Fighting Irish Faithful. You're listening to the Fighting Irish Faithful show, Notre Dame by week part 2. This is the episode everyone where we demand and deserve respect. Right now we're going to recap the BC game. We're going to talk about the good and the bad that we can take from the game. We're going to give some praise and some love out to Ian Book. Some praise to Brian Kelly, the leader, our coach. We're going to throw down some hate on ESPN and Michigan. I'm going to give you my three most hated teams personally that I just don't like at all. And then I'm also going to give you some evidence of why Notre Dame deserves to be ranked number one and tell you how good I feel about this team tonight. So an action-packed bye week. Do not go asleep. So sit down, but chill, relax, pour yourself at least two drinks because it's the bye week. All right, we're going to take it easy, but we're also going to throw down some intensity right now. Let's go, Irish. Out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, five-fire rocket touchdown, Irish! Zubikowski looking for a block, touchdown right to the 40, gets a block, gets to the 45, 50, up to the 45, 40, 30, one minute to beat, 20, 15, 10, he's done to the 5, touchdown, Irish! What's going on, Fighting Irish Faithful? Welcome to Bye Week Part 2. We are going to puff out our chest. I'm going to flex our muscles here. We are the Fighting Irish, and I'm going to drop some knowledge on you all right now. I've got a little bit of chip on my shoulder, and uh, just kind of the mood I get from Twitter, the mood I get just in general. I think Notre Dame is doing a damn good job right now, and I think... We deserve and we demand some respect right now. So I'm going to throw down a bunch of numbers for you all. Um, but, you know, we're going to keep it re- chill. We're going to keep it relaxed tonight. But at the same time, there's going to be some focused energy right now because the team has got to refocus. They got to recalibrate. They got three more games for the regular season before a potential ACC championship game. So let's get into it right now. Uh, first, if you are new to the show, welcome very much. This is a very friendly environment, so don't be too uh, overwhelmed by some of the uh, the rap music, uh, despite the fact that Snoop Dogg uh, lives in Claremont, California. You can follow me on faithful underscore Irish on Twitter. Fighting Irish Faithful can, of course, be found via Alexa, which I found out this week, hence the intro tonight iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast, I come up. And then, of course, also the YouTube channel. I get quite a bit of hits on YouTube. And if you hit me up on YouTube, go ahead and click the subscribe button. Uh, That really helps me out. Thank you very much, everyone, especially to the seven new followers. For the people who followed me this week on Twitter, thank you. Uh, It's really nice to meet you. I hope I don't disappoint too much. 
And uh, we're going to repeat what we did last week. We, we're doing a Johnny Walker red label here. Um, it seemed to work out pretty good, so we're going to do it again. So there you go. So let's first recap Notre Dame versus Boston College. Probably my tier two hate team. Uh, we're not going to get too much hate on that. But um, before we get into that, found out some news today. Um, if you haven't been connected to ND Nation or one of the other blogs, you know, Her Loyal Sons, One Foot Down, one of those guys, uh, Jarrett Patterson, our starting center, is out for the rest of the season. Looks like he sustained a foot injury during the Boston College game. Uh, it's a little disappointing because our line, our O-line, has been doing a really good job. Center, of course, one of the most important positions. They literally touch the ball every offensive play. Uh, more so than the quarterback if you take into account potential uh, direct snaps in a trick play or even some sort of wildcat kind of thing. Anyway, uh, so prayers to Jarrett Patterson. I think he's a junior and uh, for a speedy recovery and a successful surgery to him. So let's break BC versus Notre Dame into the good and the bad. First, the good. Notre Dame covered the spread. All right, we got 14 points. Uh, we did a lot of good things. First, let's go into rushing. 274 yards. You know, this is seriously the backbone of this team. Notre Dame is doing very well in rushing. I won't get into the national overall stats and how they're ranked over versus their opponents just yet in the podcast. But Notre Dame and Tommy Reese specifically, he's going to get a mini toast tonight because he is calling decent running plays our time of possession combined with that rushing attack we had 34 minutes time of possession 63 percent of all of our plays were run plays um, we're doing power running i saw some tosses tommy tremble is just doing a fantastic job doing a bunch of lead blocking it's fantastic so keep that up and all three of our running backs got ample carries ben skoranek he is the toast of the game. That guy was the man. Him combined with Sebo Flemister, but Skronik, he had three touchdowns. And one of them was kind of, if, if I think it's uh, the NFL Network. I don't really watch too much NFL, but they have an, a piece where they talk about someone being mossed. I believe Malik Zaire, whom I follow on Twitter, former Notre Dame quarterback, he was talking about how Ben Skronik mossed the guy for, uh, I think it was a corner for BC. Is he seriously Notre Dame's best transfer? He looks the part. I mean, he got three touchdowns. So Ben Skronik, welcome to Notre Dame. I'm glad you left Northwestern. Cheers to you, buddy. And, and the fact that he got an unsportsmanlike penalty for taunting or trash talking or whatever it was, you know what? I take... There's two ways to look at that. One, it's, okay, it's a stupid penalty. There's no reason to do that. It's not gentlemanly. It's not a very uh, Catholic Christian thing to do. You know what? I am okay with a little bit of jawing, a little bit of trash talking, a little bit of swag, especially from a wide receiver. And this is, this is a white guy, a transfer. All right. And he just reached around the guy, grabbed the ball away from his face, tucked it in 
and just stood there in the end zone after he caught it. I think that was his second touchdown. So I'm okay with a little bit of trash talking from there because that takes guts. That takes some athleticism. He's clearly very fast. He's very talented. He's got great hands. You know what? Do a little bit of trash talking. All right. I'm okay with a little bit, and maybe that goes a little bit with the theme of the intro music, but that's totally fine. Next guy, Sebo Flemister. You talk about just someone who played with heart tonight, all right? It looks like he had, might have sustained a minor injury, and then Chris Tyree ended up coming into the game. But, you know, I give him mad props, and so is Dexter Williams on Twitter. He was throwing it down. Sebo Flemister had two touchdowns, made some really key blocks. He had 10 carries for 53 yards. Uh, what, a, what a great team player and someone who i'm sure has been humbled a little bit he's not seeing the field as much as he would personally like but definitely a team player working with kyron williams very much deserved number one running back and chris tyree superstar uh freshman recruit so very good job there and then of course the defense last but not least and our offensive line both of them did a stellar job First, let's go with the O-line. This is the only game I think I have found in the stats where Notre Dame did not sustain a sack. Ian Book was never sacked. He was hurried, but he's moving better in the pocket, and that is a tribute to the offensive line. There was one tackle for loss. I think it was on a rushing play, and that's expected in a game, especially when you run 63% of the time. But the offensive line is doing their job protecting the quarterback, and they deserve a lot of credit. The defense, they are stepping up. They had uh, they stopped BC on a fourth down. The defense held Boston College to four out of 11 on third down, and they limited to Boston College to 85 rushing yards. That That is very, very good. So keep it up. Those are all of the good things. Next, the bad or the areas where we need improvement. This isn't really a bad. It's probably more of a preference that I have, and especially if we are tight end you. But we only threw one pass to Mike Mayer. And, of course, he caught it, and he got, like, 12 yards, right? But there was one attempt for 12 yards, and I believe on two of the Ben Skoranek touchdowns not to take anything away from ben because he's he's the man he's legit can we call him big ben i know that's kind of a ben roethlisberger but he is tall so i don't know we, we need some sort of nickname for ben scrawny because he ain't a scrawny white kid at all either but mayor only had one attempt and i know on two of them he was wide the hell open and you know look books making the read and it ended up in a touchdown so you know i'm not going to complain too much but if we are tight end and we want to engage our tight ends, use that as a weapon, throw the rock around a little bit more maybe to the tight end, I would be totally fine with that. All right, another area to inter- to improve on are interceptions. We've got to capitalize on these interceptions. I think Notre Dame could have had three, maybe even four interceptions in this game. The ball was just kind of floating in the air. You know, one bounced off of Kyle Hamilton. Uh, there's a few others just are just like that and Kyle Hamilton's could have been a pick six so we have got to capitalize on those interception opportunities I predicted that Phil was going to throw two it looks like he only we only capitalized on one so I was out on that 
but we've got to capitalize and we have to improve on the interceptions. And we'll probably see that in North Carolina. I don't want to get into North Carolina, but uh, they're a very pass-heavy team. Fumbles. All right, this is pissing me off, everyone. We need to stop fumbling the ball. The first one was the worst one, in my opinion. It's not like you're running with the ball, you got it tucked in, and then a defensive player comes in with great technique with a club and tomahawk chops your arm, the ball comes out, or you get hit, their hat hits the ball, pops out. No, this is stupid, stupid shit. This is the kind of stuff where, first off, I don't like the play call. I hate zone read, pass option, run bullshit. No, either pass the ball or run the ball. None of this reading bull crap, all right? We do not have Michael Vick on the fucking team, all right? I'm throwing it down right now. But no, don't do that, all right? If you're going to put it in the running back's stomach, leave it there, give it to Kyron Williams, and make him run with it. I think it was Chris Tyree actually on the play. But that's not the point. The point is, you look at the replay in slow motion, neither... Ian Book nor our running back wanted the football. All right. They're like, oh, you go ahead and take it. And then what happened? Boston College ended up taking it. And I think they scored off of that. So we need to stop that. And on the notion of fumbles comes kick return. We got damn lucky when Boston College did their onside kick and it bounced in the air. And we tried to catch it. And instead of just securing the ball, which is what you're supposed to do, if you're on kick return team, right? The ball's coming your way, you secure it, and you're done. I played high school football, Grant, it's not college, right? It's not Notre Dame, it's not even remotely close. But anyone who's listened to this podcast, if you played high school football and you were on the hands team, you gotta expect that every freaking time. That is what you're told. Re- expect the ball, and what do you do? You secure the ball. You don't score a touchdown when you're on the first line. You are Your job is to secure the ball and go fetal position with, with it. That's it. Don't catch it. You're not doing a pick six. Hey, if that happens, that's amazing. You'll make ESPN. But screw ESPN. More to come on that. Finally, red zone converging. I'm a little pissed at Kelly this game. Kelly, it's the end of the game, right? We want to be sportsmanship. There's like a minute left. But here's the problem. We take a knee. We had three opportunities to take this ball game into the 50s. And the first two times we failed, once we, I think, had a turnover downs or something. Uh, Another time we missed a field goal. But the last time we took a knee on the five-yard line. I'm not okay with that. I'm really not. We do not like Boston College. We have a freaking rivalry trophy with them. Most people do not like Boston College. Why would you not just run it down their throat, punch it in, pour salt into the wound? You know, why are you not doing that, BK? I I really don't understand. Don't take a knee. Look, if this is the ACC championship, if this is a playoff game, if this is the title, sure, take a knee. I got no problem with that, all right? Because you got nothing to lose and you're reaching that point of excellence. No, this is a game where you need to tell the media you're, you're tr- you're, you are still going for style points here, okay? The playoff is not set up. That's the thing. College football is still in an environment where you need to display some sort of, 
you know, style points. You need to wow the AP and, and the voters and all this other crap, all right? It's not based on numbers. It's based on perception. Why the hell do you think Ohio State is ranked as high as they are? Personally, I think Wisconsin is better. More to come on that. Don't take a knee on your opponent's five-yard line at the end of the game. Just run it in, score a fucking touchdown, and then be done with the game, all right? That's it. Step on the throat. But red zone converging is a problem for Notre Dame. Right now, we are ranked 75th in the country, 75th in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And we are 87th in the country in just scoring overall. That includes field goals. That is not good. Let me put it into perspective. The national champion scores touchdowns, and they are ranked 28th in the country. And as far as overall scoring, including field goals, they're ranked 35th on average. So we're like almost double what national champions do. Let me put it in perspective another way. Let's go back to 2012, the magical, beautiful 2012 season. I love the 2012 season. But the biggest problem, other than the offense, was the offense's ability to capitalize and score in the red zone. Notre Dame in 2012 ranked 112th in scoring touchdowns in the red zone and they ranked 73rd in scoring overall thank you for kicking five field goals against usc at the end of the season that's probably why we're we're ranked as high as 70 73rd so notre dame really needs to capitalize on scoring in the red zone get some turnovers get some interceptions score in the red zone hey we'll be okay all right, let's turn this around. Let's talk about what I think Notre Dame is doing well and why they deserve some more respect than what they're getting out there right now. If you watch this game, you heard a lot of bullshit about Phil Jerkovic and Ian Book and how Phil was kind of this victim and all this other crap. I am so glad Notre Dame showed up, and especially Ian Book. Let's compare the numbers of these two players, and let's prove once and for all, and close the book, why Phil is inferior compared to Ian Book. Anyone who ever thought, oh, let's throw play Phil, or Phil got a bad thing. Whoever you are, you need to, you know, stop smoking dope, all right? Go ahead and pour yourself a scotch and listen up. Ian Book was 20 of 27 for 74%. Phil 18 of 40 for 45%. Not very good. Yards, book through for more. 283, averaging 10.5 yards per throw per reception, whereas Phil had 272, averaging 6.8. Book through for three touchdowns, Phil for two. Book zero interceptions, Phil one. And touchdowns per attempt, kind of a stat I invented. Ian Book threw a touchdown 11% of all of his passes. For better than 1 out of 10, Phil, about 5%. Oh, one other thing, Ian Book had a rushing touchdown. So take that, write it down on a post-it note. Anyone who ever wants to talk shit about Ian Book and say that Phil got a bad deal, you just tell them that. ESPN is garbage. ESPN is crap. 
I don't know why so many Notre Dame fans listen to ESPN. It's terrible. You know, they just, like I said earlier, they made Phil just appear to be this victim. They're giving him all this love. You know, they're trying to make him out to this fake Rudy character. All this, you know, just like, oh, he's the victim. Oh, he was getting no love, no playing time, no respect. On and on and on and on. And it's this went on and on between plays. Rather than ESPN's announcers actually talking about football actually talking about play strategy actually talking about anything shit talk about coronavirus and how there were no fans why don't you talk about that espn holy shit they just want to talk about all this dramatic stuff that's that's fake it's phony it's fabricated all right phil was not happy he wanted more playing time i got no problem with that you want to transfer go ahead and transfer i'm not gonna not gonna crucify phil for wanting to do what he feel is right for his career. He's an athlete. He wanted to play. He probably wants to play in the NFL. And he is talented. I'm not going to bullshit this. He's actually doing a pretty decent job. I wish he didn't go to Boston College. But you know what? It is what it is. So ESPN, they don't just stop there. They ended up talking for about five to ten minutes about one of the sideline gals. I don't know who it is. Molly McGrath. I don't even know who this woman is. And she's probably doing a fine job. But then they spend a bunch of time about how she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, and she's a former Boston College cheerleader. And what is this, Oprah? Are we watching The View? What is this? All right. And nothing against those shows, right? Oprah is a billionaire, right? Respect. But what the hell? This is football. Why are we talking about the pregnant sideline reporter, former cheerleader? That has nothing to do with the game. This is so stupid, right? Uh, who knows? So it's completely ridiculous. I just want, I was this close to just muting the TV and not even have to listen to this garbage, right? I was so happy later in the game or, or later in the night flipping over to Fox and watching Oregon and Washington State play. It was a thousand times better. They're actually talking about football. They're actually talking about the players and the sport itself. It was so much better, right? Go to CBS. Go to Fox. Those guys have it way better. ESPN and even NBC sometimes. Take some notes, all right? Because you're testing my patience here. Here's one other problem. ESPN and, and granted, I didn't listen to any of the pregame crap. I don't, I don't really listen to that. I'm usually doing dishes and making nachos and just doing other productive shit with my life. But not one time did I hear ESPN mention that over this weekend was the 50th anniversary of the Marshall plane crash killing their football team. Not one time did ESPN mention that Paul Horning, Heisman Trophy winner of Notre Dame, had passed away. Not once. And... Sebo Flemister left the game early for an injury. Not once did they follow up with, hey, what's going on? What do we think? You know, it's all, it's all conjecture, and, and I appreciate that Notre Dame is limiting health and privacy of the student-athletes, but not once did ESPN talk about any of those things. No, we'd rather talk about Phil and how he's the victim and, and uh, the pregnant cheerleader. I don't care. I don't care, ESPN. ESPN, you suck. You know who also sucks is Michigan. Oh my gosh, if you are a Notre Dame fan, damn it, doesn't that feel good that Michigan is 1-3? and three? 
Holy crap. I I was so happy this weekend. One of my favorite pastimes over the weekend on Sunday, I get up and it's not as great as Saturday morning because I feel like I'm just running around and it's like Christmas morning every Saturday for a Notre Dame game, especially when we're undefeated. Hell yeah. But uh, on Sunday morning, I pour myself a pot of coffee, you know, wake the doc up, bring her coffee in bed, make some breakfast, whatever. And then I come to the computer, look at the stats, look at the scores, you know, start, you know, prepping for the podcast for the week. And then I was so happy to look at the Michigan, Wisconsin stats and say, huh, how bad is Michigan? They looked pretty shitty. Well, here they are. They are averaging a losing scoring margin of over eight points. They have a scoring offense that is ranked 80 third in the country their third down defense is 107th in the country their scoring defense is ranked 90th their tackles per loss per game is 112th they average 85th in passing yards rank 80th in total offense rank 89th in third down offense they're rank 107th in rushing yards. They're complete trash. They're so bad. They're averaging only 26 points per game right now. And if you are a Michigan fan, I am sorry. Uh, you are welcome at Notre Dame anytime. We're a loving people. We love converts over at Notre Dame. Just come, come to us. Come to the feast of heaven and earth. Come to the football table of plenty. Uh, we will provide for all your football needs here at the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast. Yeah, if you're uh, if you went to mass, you, you know what I'm talking about. But oh my gosh, Michigan is just burning on fire. They're a grease fire. They have bad stats. Harbaugh just looks so confused. And he almost looks as bad as Brady Hoke did, but at least Brady Hoke, when he was coaching in his last season, was at least clapping on the sidelines. But, man, Harbaugh just looks confused as hell. And, oh, my goodness, I I just want Ohio State. I'm not an Ohio State fan. I'm really not. They're probably like a Tier 4, Tier 3 hate team. I I don't really like them. But I have respected Ohio State a lot more since moving to the Midwest. And... You know what? I want them to beat the shit out of Michigan this year. I want them to win 100 to 0. I want them to score 100 points. I really hope that happens. I, I, I'll print the shirts. I'll buy one of those shirts. I will buy a 100 to 0 Ohio State shirt. I will buy that Buckeye shirt. But you know what? I really hope that Michigan just flounders along. Um, I mean, they lost to IU. I mean, come on. Your IU Hoosiers, who are 4-0 and and going to play Ohio State this weekend. Holy shit. Go Hoosiers. But, man, I really hope that Harbaugh just kind of meanders through the season, plays Rutgers or whatever the hell they have left. And uh, I don't know if they play Purdue, but go Boilermakers. Boiler up for them. But I really hope that as soon as they lose 100-0 to Ohio State, Harbaugh gets fired on the spot that would be brilliant speaking of the podcast hate meter here let's talk about my three most hated teams and why that is the case first in the number three spot the bronze medal goes to the miami hurricane 
Catholics versus convicts. Um, just, I think Miami really is the antithesis of Notre Dame. You know, it's physically and, you know, geographically different. Um, they, their history is kind of new and fresh, so to speak. You think of Notre Dame, you think of this kind of like old timey, you know, castle and just kind of it just has this old you know vintage ancient tradition field whereas miami is like like hip and and cool and you know rap videos and and you know just miami vice and 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 fast supercars and hookers and cocaine or whatever it is i mean and miami just they just bug the shit out of me you know their fans their fans are so fair weather, right? If you're a Miami fan, you know, get a reality check, right? Get a life. But, you know, they just have this complete opposite attraction. And they have beat the crap out of Notre Dame in a kind of an un, unpleasant manner back in the 80s. And then the Catholics versus Convicts game with Jimmy Johnson and all of that. That is one of the reasons why that game if you think back to the intro of this podcast what is the first thing you hear you hear the catholics versus convicts the famous play at the end of the game when walsh throws the ball and we knock it down our defense comes through that's one of the reasons why i dislike miami because that game proved that no miami you still have your place and we have our place and you are not hot shit as much as you think you are. I do not like Miami. And that hatred was further cemented in 2017. Granted, Miami beat the shit out of Notre Dame in that game down in Hard Rock Stadium with their turnover chain and all of that crap. And they just they just took that energy from their crowd and they just fed it in the vein and they just sucked it up. Oh my gosh, that was one of the that was the most embarrassing game I ever watched. I was so pissed off watching that game. So that is why Miami is number three. Number two, silver medal, hated team, rolled up in cat poo, is Michigan. The skunk bears, the skunk weasels, meat chicken, the team up north. Uh, one of the reasons actually why I uh, respect Ohio State more. I do not like Michigan, and Harbaugh just makes it worse. He's just a complete knucklehead. Um, go ahead and listen to John over at the Always Irish Show. He talks about how I guess he went to visit a recruit, and he wore cleats in the house of the recruit, and they had like nice wood floors. Like, what the hell is this shit? Michigan, you know, I've only known one Michigan fan who is an alum. Uh, personally, who I had to deal with on a day-to-day basis. I won't go into too many details, but yeah, I didn't like that guy. And um, I really, growing up in Southern California, I didn't really have a whole lot of exposure to Michigan. Yeah, they have a really big fan base, arguably as big, um, not quite as big as Notre Dame, but but it's quite extensive, the Michigan fan base. And I, but I didn't really see that growing up on the West Coast. And it wasn't until I moved to the Midwest where that became kind of more of a reality and more of a thing to uh, recognize and saying, who are, why are all these Michigan fans here? It's crazy. But learning more of the history of Notre Dame and Michigan, how they did not want us to be part of the Big Ten back in the day, I didn't really learn that until I became a student at Notre Dame. 
and just more and more. You know, I'm not going to go into the whole history. You can you can read about that yourself, uh, Yost and all that other you know anti-Catholic BS. But go go do some research. Do it for yourself. It, you'll understand. Um, that's BS, and quite frankly, it's it's unacceptable. And Michigan is just just part of that that stew. Um, I don't like them. Brian Kelly does not have a winning record against them, so that that also feeds into it. But my favorite moment and probably my second most favorite game watching was on TV was the 2014 game where Notre Dame uh, shut Michigan out 37 to zero. I was so happy that that pick. Um, uh, oh my goodness. And, and we ran it back. And personally, I think that the pick six counted. There was not an, uh, aggressive play against the quarterback. Quarterback was moving to make a play to tackle our guy returning the ball. That whole, that whole thing. Screw Michigan. Muck Michigan. Next gold medal. USC should be no surprise. If you know anything about me, I hate USC. USC is so damn annoying. I'm so pissed off. I like it. it, it it's anything from Pete Ke- Pete Carroll to just OJ Simpson to like, and, and to some respects, I have to respect USC. Like it is a good school. Um, they have great history, great tradition. They have a very loyal fan base especially in southern california um you know some people that i actually look up to you know famous people who have graduated from there you know that there are some decent people that have come out of usc there's also some douchebags and potential murderers but at the same time it's in a shitty part of town in la i don't think it makes the city of la better usc uh, which is ironic because I had Snoop Dogg introducing uh, the podcast with the music tonight. But um, I just hate that team. The, I, it's probably because I grew up there, right? I, I, I'm aware of my filter here. When I was a kid, Notre Dame would dominate USC. And then when I was becoming more of a, uh educated fan throughout uh, middle school and high school and then getting into early college, USC was better. And their freaking coach was Pete Carroll. That son of a bitch. I hated him, man. The Bush push game, the whole thing. Uh, just USC has this hatred in my heart that, like, if them and Michigan ever play, I just want a meteor to to hit the Rose Bowl because that's probably where where that would happen. And I just want both teams to die at that point. Like USC. Screw USC. I'm so glad Brian Kelly has a dominant winning record against them, and they can go suck a lemon. Speaking of BK, who has an awesome record against USC, let's give some love out to Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, congratulations. Coach, you have 100 wins. That That is a truly remarkable feat. You have been with our team for 100 games actually 137 games you have a win percentage of 0.72993 per my spreadsheet um congratulations to you coach it's very very good um i'm very happy for you um you are on your way um i i do 
want the best for Kelly. I really want him to win a title. I do want to see uh, a statue of him outside of Notre Dame Stadium. I want to see a statue of, of Muppet McGraw first because I think she deserves it, having two fucking titles on the women's basketball team, but that's another story altogether. Notre Dame and Brian Kelly, you deserve uh, everything you have earned and everything you have worked for. Sometimes I don't know how good of a motivator you are of the team, uh, but at the same time, it does take resolve to overcome what you went through in 2016. And I was one of the people giving you a lot of crap for that. I, I thought you should have been fired. I'm very happy that you had a change of heart. You have, I think, revisited some of the demons and you have changed and your record is impeccable since the beginning of the 2017 season. You have only six losses in that amount of time. That is very good. And all of those losses are to good teams. Some of them have not been good losses. You've won, you've lost by over 20, 27 points, but at the same time, uh, you're doing well and your win percentage shows it. Um, you do require another 16 games to win consecutively to overtake Lou Holtz as far as win percentage. Which brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about. I don't want to give too much into blasting people on Twitter. Um, when I make this podcast, as you know, there's a lot of stats, there's a lot of spreadsheets, and I like to educate people. And not not because I'm so smart. No, no, no. I just have done this research, and I'm willing to share it with everybody, okay? I'm not that smart, all right? The doc is way smarter than I am, and she's way more attractive. The point I'm making here is on Twitter... After BK got his 100th win, people were high as a kite, and I'm totally cool with that, and everyone's drinking, and that whatever. But someone on Twitter, and I'm not going to say who it is, but they were saying insinuating that Brian Kelly getting his 100th win after beating Boston College, after beating the number one team in the country, i.e. Clemson, was a greater feat than Holtz. Holtz beating the number one team at home in 93, then losing the following week to BC. And quite frankly, I said, that is completely false. Holtz has a 75% win percentage and did it in 132 games with one title and at least four big other bull wins. BK has 137 games to get to 130 wins with a 72% win percentage and with zero titles and zero big bowl wins. And I told this guy and another guy on Twitter, hey, you should check out episode five of my podcast. If you're new and you haven't heard it, go ahead, go to episode five. It's a little more intense for the bye week, but hey, you got a bye week, right? What else are you going to do? You're not going to watch Notre Dame, right? And IU plays at noon, so you'll have the rest of the Saturday to go, right? But go to episode five, and I, I encourage these guys, hey, go listen to episode five of my podcast. I talk all about this, and I do bring some heat and some thunder in that episode. The, but the point I'm making is, Brian Kelly, respect to you. You got 100 win. That's a huge, huge milestone. Good on you, and I appreciate your conversion, and I, I wish you the greatest amount of respect. One thing I wanted to share with everybody is the stats of how Notre Dame is performing this season relative to the other top teams right now in college football. What I did 
is I took the ranking of who I think are the best teams right now in college football and put them up there. I threw Michigan in there just to rub salt in their wound. Um, and so I talked about Notre Dame, Clemson, BYU, Cincinnati, Wisconsin, Alabama, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Florida, IU, and Oregon. I looked at each team's win percentage, their strength of schedule, and so on and so forth. I've talked about yards per point. I think that is a very decent representation of a team's efficiency and how well they are doing on offense. I looked at scoring margin. I think scoring margin really shows how well a team is dominating. Grant, it doesn't take into account strength of schedule, but it still is doing a pretty good job. Things like, and then the rest of the normal things you hear me talk about all the time, total touchdowns, scoring offense, rushing defense, rushing touchdowns, third down defense, scoring defense, total defense, total offense, etc., etc., etc. And I wanted to see where is Notre Dame at relative to their opponents. So I break these stats into offensive stats versus defensive stats. First, let's do offensive stats. Surprisingly, BYU, based on numbers and all offensive stats, weighted equally. That's something I haven't yet figured out. But BYU is at the top, then Alabama, then Clemson, then the national champion average. Now, how am I putting these points together? What I do If you go back to an earlier podcast, I talk about this, but I I rank each team relative to each other and then give it a golf score. So if you're ranked number one in total touchdowns, which is what BYU is, they're ranked number one. They have scored more touchdowns than any other team in college football. Alabama is ranked 12th. Clemson is second. The national champion averages eight. And right now, Notre Dame is ranked 11th in total touchdowns, which is fantastic. And then so on and so forth. So scoring offense, BYU, ninth, Alabama, second, Clemson, eighth, national champion, averages 11th, Ohio State, fourth, Notre Dame, 26th in scoring offense, etc., etc. Wisconsin is third. Granted, they've only played two games, but hey, one of them is against Michigan, so we'll give Wisconsin an attaboy, and so on and so forth. So Notre Dame, on their offensive score, is ranked eighth out of all these teams now here's where it gets interesting the defensive score it first best defense if all defensive stats are weighted equally so that's like rushing defense third down defense passing defense etc number one is cincinnati at with 141 points then clemson 142 then third 173 so if i take the sum the defensive score plus the offensive score, we of course get the total score. And if we rank that smallest to largest, based on the numbers alone and not weighing win percentage, not weighing strength of schedule or any of these other things, the total score goes as follows. Number one, Clemson, 406 points. BYU, 410. Cincinnati, 439 then Notre Dame, 545. Now here's the problem. BYU has a strength of schedule of 96th. Cincinnati has a strength of schedule of 104th. Clemson lost 
to Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame does not have the best strength of schedule, but they are undefeated, and their strength of schedule is significantly higher than BYU and Cincinnati. And then they've also played a legit long schedule thus far. They are eight wins, zero losses. More games and more wins than Alabama, and certainly more than Ohio State. Therefore, all those things considered, I believe Notre Dame is the number one team in the country. Let's look at some of these stats for our Fighting Irish of 2020. Total touchdowns, we are ranked 8th. Scoring offense, 26th. I wish it was higher. National champion average is 11th, but it will come. Defense wins championships. Our defensive stats are the best. We are the best defense in the country. Here's why. Rushing defense, 5th. 3rd down defense, 7th. Scoring defense, 12th. All of those are better than the national champion average, by the way. Total defense, 12th. Sacks per game, 45th. Not so great, but tackles for loss, 11th in the country. Turnover margin, 15th, and it should be higher, significantly higher. Should be top 10. Passing defense, 46th. Eh, not so great, but you know what? That's okay, because if we can shut down the run and our time of possession is higher, no problem. Fourth down defense, we're ranked 20th. And scoring defense, we're, we're averaging the opponent to 16 points a game. That is fantastic. Let's look at Alabama. Alabama right now is ranked number one. Let's look at their defense. They got a defensive score of 510. That's almost as much as Notre Dame's total score, including their offense. Notre Dame's defensive score, 173. 173 points for our defense versus 510 for Alabama. Notre Dame's defense is significantly better. Alabama, rushing defense, 31. Third down defense, 72. Scoring defense, 28. Eh, not bad. Total defense, 47. Eh. Sacks per game, 93rd. Tackles for loss, 55th. Turnover margin, 10th. Okay, I'll give them that. Passing defense, 91st. Are you kidding me? They're not playing against Joe Burrow anymore. Alabama does not have the defense that they have had in past years. They will lose in the first round of the playoffs. I guarantee it. Alabama will not be playing for a national championship with that defense unless their quarterback goes balls out, lights out, and they score like 80 points. But I don't see that happening against any of these other teams in the top 10 that they all have better defenses than Alabama. So all things considered, I believe that number one should be Notre Dame. Number two, Alabama, because they are putting up good def- good points. They're undefeated as well. They played significant games, and they are impressive on offense. So Alabama, I believe, is number two. Then I would put Clemson as number three. Again, I'm letting the numbers decide because per my spreadsheet, Clemson actually has the best score, but they have lost to us, and I think Alabama could also edge them out as well. So Clemson is third. And then I have Wisconsin as fourth. That would be Joe's playoff today. Notre Dame would play Wisconsin in the first round, and it would probably be a Notre Dame versus Clemson rematch in the title if it was today. But that's one man's opinion. The last thing I want to leave you all with is my just genuine excitement and happiness right now for the season. I am very happy, very excited. I have not been this pumped up about Notre Dame 
since 2012. Go back, sit back, relax, close your mind, think of Sierra Wood running against Oklahoma. Think of Everett Golson doing Superman dives. Think of Manti Teo having monster sacks and having miraculous interceptions. Embrace that, bring that in, okay? And think of the magic that was 2012. Then amplify it by a better team that has actually a better defense on paper, is actually scoring more points, has a much better quarterback, and a coach that is way more experienced. Our team is more confident and more disciplined and has more pizzazz than they have ever had under Brian Kelly. Compare this team now to 2018, the team that went undefeated and went to the playoffs and then got boat braced by Clemson. Who do you think would win, this team or 2018? You know the answer, Notre Dame fan. I am so confident right now in this analysis I've just given you, and the numbers are telling the truth. Notre Dame fan, feel good right now. Feel great. This is so awesome. You see a Notre Dame fan. This is like the third week in a row, but you see someone at the grocery store. You see someone at work. You see someone at the post office. You just see people with Notre Dame you know, shit on their cars, license plate frames, whatever, stickers. You honk at them. Give them a thumbs up. Yell, go Irish. They'll do it back at you. We need to build this community of Notre Dame fans. There's a lot of Notre Dame haters out there, but bring on the the positivity. Bring it on. We love it. We need to embrace each other during these times. Well, maybe not embrace each other. There's a pandemic going on, but I want this to continue. I'm, I'm pumping this into the vein. I am so pumped up and so amped up, and it's not the scotch talking. This is genuine excitement for this team. I want to see where this goes. I want to see us beat the crap out of North Carolina. I want us to have a great bye week after we deserve it. We just went on a six-game you know, run here, and we beat the number one team. We exercised some demons defeating Boston College. We're flying high. I think we're the number one team in the country, and the numbers prove it. Go look at these stats. Go do it yourself. Don't just have your opinion, Notre Dame fan. Be an educated Notre Dame fan, but then have confidence in the facts and the numbers. Don't just say things. Look it up and provide reinforcement to your opinion. That's what I'm going to leave you with, guys, tonight. All right? You got some homework. Go look look at do some research, take care of business. All right. This is definitely the longest podcast, but that's okay. You could have over a week to listen to it. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Go Irish. Beat by week.